everybody. It is September. Can you believe it? We're coming into Essen with a ferocity of 10,000 rhinoceroses. I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're the Board Game Mechanics, and with me is... Hey, guys. What's going on? It's Jason. And I'm Joel. And I guess today we're going to talk about Publishers We Love. That, some news, and some stuff we played. Yep. But first... Zany banter, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's usually how we lead off with some nonsense. So, yeah. Well, I listen, good news, people. We're going to keep making the podcast because our very good comedy CD did not get made this week about <laughs> you might be a board gamer. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. No one picked that up. That was comedy gold, too. <laughs> I know. That's ah, too bad. Oh, well. But you know what? Picorni did kind of hassle us about the password, so we got to bring the password back. If you know what the password is, you're a true fan. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, You're going to get that like chest bump and a peace sign <laughs> thing from me. Yep. I'll give you the, the high five that looks kind of like a Black Panther fist or something. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it has, a, it has a, a BGM gear on it or something, right? I forget what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, let's get started in the news here. Um, We got some pretty neat Kickstarter news that's going down as per usual, because it seems like the only thing that happens in board games recently is Kickstarter news. So we'll jump right in. Uh, The first game I wanted to talk about is the second edition of PAX Pamir. This is by designer Cole Worley. It's on Kickstarter now, and it's going for like 60 bucks. Um, essentially, everybody's working together to rebuild an empire. I believe it's in Afghanistan, but eventually everyone turns against each other because only one person can win, so it's one of those like semi-co-op type deals. And I also think this guy is the designer of Root. I'm pretty sure Cole Worley is the designer of Root. That sounds right. Um, this game, I, I've seen some people at the local shop that are hyped about this game. Um, so I don't know why. I, I don't know if they played the first edition and thought, oh, it's a great game or what. But when I look at the game, it looks to me like a Mediterranean Twilight Struggle almost. I don't know, like with the card play and stuff. It looks fine. I just don't think I'm going to back this one. Yeah, Heavy Cardboard talks about it a lot. So, I mean, I, they'd like Cole as a designer. So maybe the people at your gaming shop are fans of Heavy Cardboard. Could be. I kind of doubt it because they love the number nine there. Like that's all they play. Oh. So <laughs> yeah, not a lot of that on heavy cardboard. <laughs> well, I, and the other thing too is Cole Cole Weir's games. Um, is he okay? So he's if he's the guy they were thinking of, he did Root, and then did he also do Vast? No, it's just the same company. No, it's just the same company. Yeah. Okay, because I know like Vast is like a game that you have to give homework to people if you really want to play it. <laughs> yeah, like, it's tough. All right. You're going to play the cave, read this uh, uh, five-page dossier, and then come back ready for board game night next week kind of thing. <laughs> I think Root's kind of the same thing, too, a little bit. Yeah, so. I heard Root was a little easier. Vast is a beast. I've played it a couple times, and man, teaching everybody their parts is is crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, almost unfun crazy, it sounds like, at times. So Yeah, once you get rolling, it's good times, though. Cool. All right. Um, the next game I wanted to talk about is one that we recently did a review video for, and that is Micro Brew by One Free Elephant. It's on Kickstarter now, and it's super cheap. I think it's going for like 22 bucks. 
Wow. Yeah, it's just a an Altoids tin with some bits and pieces in there, and you've got a whole game for two players, which is pretty neat. So it's a good game. I highly recommend if you're into interesting mechanisms in small packages, check this out. Uh, yeah, I, I dig it, and everybody I played it with had a good time. $22 shipped? I'm not sure if that includes shipping because it's coming from the UK, so it probably doesn't include shipping. And I don't know who Nigel is, but we had some interactions with him. Seems like a really cool guy. So I love Brewcrafters. It's in my top 20 games probably. And so I'm really tempted to give this one a hard look. And the price is right. So I say check it out. Yeah, I'll bring the one I have to the next BGM con and you can play it. Sweet. That's good. Sounds cool. Uh, Yeah. And like Jason, your review's up. I did take a look at that and you did a nice job with it. So... Not trying to drive people from this podcast because you guys are the the bread and butter of this thing. This is where we make all the money. Is that the <laughs> with the podcast we get all the cash coming in from this thing? So uh, all, all, all those dimes not. and quarters. <laughs> if you guys can figure out how to monetize this thing, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, that's another conversation for another day, probably. I'm I'm willing to sell Jason's flesh. Like he will get tattoos of people's names, like Patreons and stuff. I got a special spot for Picorni. <laughs> wow. I didn't say it was a bad spot. Like, come on now. I like in my mind, I sometimes think of like <laughs> this podcast actually becoming more legit in the future and and people listening to it in the future, like and we're still talking about Picorni, and Picorni is like just one of like Hundreds of people that listen to this show at that point. And I mean, like, I'm not going to drop the Picorni thing. Like, he's definitely there. And <laughs> and Richard, you are too. You're in our hearts too. We just, your, your meme game's a little off lately, bud. You got to get it back going. So, yeah. Anyway. He'll show up. He's like, he comes in like a thief in the night when you least expect it. Spurts. He's a burster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on to some more news. Um, the next game I wanted to talk about is called Nan- Nanty Narking. It's by Martin Wallace, and it's a reprint of Discworld Ankhmore Pork. So they went from one crazy name to an even crazier name, I think. Right. And I don't really know much about this game. You may, but I thought it was interesting that they're remaking that game, though. Well, I know that uh, it's a Terry Pritchett book, I think is the name of the, guy, the, name of the guy, Pratchett, Pratchett. Pratchett, yeah. Uh, and he passed away, and his estate won't reissue that license. So um, that's why they're doing a different name, at least, if not theme. So um, it looks really cool. And I definitely have heard different things about Discworld that are really positive. But that said, this is 77 bucks plus another 30 bucks shipping or so. So I don't know, man. It's tough to want to jump on this one personally, but I think it looks really good. And I'm not a huge Martin Wallace fan. If I were a huge Martin Wallace fan, I'd probably be even more apt to jump on this. But I think I'm going to pass at the at that price point, unfortunately. I think the theme of this is actually Charles Dickens, I thought. That's where the nanny narking thing came from, was a Charles Dickens book. Yeah, it looks Dickensian. Like the art all looks like Victorian era England or something. So... Uh, it looks really cool. Like uh, the production on it is really top notch, and it's the same guys who did that U-boat game too. Oh, really? Which seemed like it had really awesome production as well, and it was kind of unique in its gameplay. So, um, I don't know. It looks really cool. It's really highly funded. Um, pretty, pretty great looking. But I just, if I didn't 
if I didn't slaughter my board gaming budget for 2018 by like 250% already, I probably would be interested. Just, um, uh, Got to put stuff on the Christmas list for mom, you know? So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Martin Wallace, I actually picked up my first Martin Wallace game. Yeah? I got the first edition of London. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, so I'm pretty pumped about that. I, I wanted London because it has the board, and the second edition doesn't have the board, so I got the first one. I think there's a handful of Wallace games that you and I both like or are interested in, Um Australian Emeralds is the one that I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, drooling over, but it's not around me anywhere, and I don't want to get the. I, there's one edition that I is better than the other, and I want to say it's the the second edition does some stuff that's kind of goofy, and the first one's better on that one, maybe. Yeah, I want, maybe I have that backwards. No, I want the first edition too. It looks it looks a little slicker. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I I like Via Nebula, and then I just I just got a copy of Brass. So he's a great designer, but and this game's probably great. But it's just that price point. So Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, we're pulling down stacks on stacks with this podcast, like we talked about earlier, but it's just <laughs> it's just hard to want to drop some stacks on that. So Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> all right. So that's all the news I got. I don't know if you have anything you want to add. Oh, Jason, don't even try. You see it on your notes. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to breeze over it. <laughs> I just think it needs a mention because it's like shooting up the all-time most funded brand in Kickstarter history. Yeah, it is. Unstable it is. Unicorns. They have one that's out right now. Um, that's It's not our jam, bro, but I mean, like, it's definitely a mover and shaker. And this is the command and control or something. Um, but it's super highly funded. If that's your thing, if you're into silly little games like Exploding Kittens and stuff, it looks like it might be right up your alley. The other one too, Jason, I just happened to luck into this one. The Jasper board game table launches in five days. So from us recording this on Tuesday, before you listen to this, that means it's launching like Saturday or something. Um, it's it's from boardgametables.com. It's the Jasper gaming table. Check it out. Um, I think it looks like it's going to be an absolute winner because these are the guys who did this last one. Um, I forget what the name of the last table they did was like the Shelly or something. And it was an insane value. And this one's no different. This one's $599 for the complete board gaming table, wow. which is an insane value. Yeah. I mean, like insane for a solid wood table. And then you can add a dining room table uh, topper and cup holders to it for a little more money than that. So um, just an insanely good deal, I think, because some of the table toppers out there, people are charging like around five, 600 bucks for those. Plus, you know, like shipping and stuff can be really ex exorbitant on that. So if I remember right, on the Kickstarter, you get a really good deal in the shipping as well. So, um, and I have I have a local guy who has one of these tables. He said it was awesome and it was perfect and packaged well. So I would say go check that out. If you're even remotely in the market for a gaming table, check out the Jasper gaming table. Um, so I think the Duchess was the, the precursor actually is what it was called. Yeah, that, so, that sounds right. Yeah. It's it's coming out though this week, um, probably in a couple of days. If you're hearing this on Friday, sweet. Yeah, that that was fun news for you, I bet, Jason, because it actually was news for you, right? Yeah, I I saw some other yes. table, but I didn't see that one. Five hundred ninety nine bucks is a pretty good deal. I mean, like that's what a dining room table costs. You know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm definitely very interested in this. Um, we'll see if my wife's interested or not. <laughs> I'm sure she's not going to be as interested as you. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> actually i could probably sell her on it so like you've been to my house yeah like i basically control this 
big dining room with my stereo and my board game collection. And I told her I would get a dedicated gaming room and move it into like our three season room out in like, we have this kind of cool pine three season room. And I said, I'll, I'll take that room and build some shelves in there and have a permanent gaming table. And she's like done if I can have my dining room back. So maybe I can pitch this that way. I don't know. It'd be pretty sweet though. Yeah. Go for it. All right. So that was it. That was something that made sense to one person. And I'm glad I said it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Now we're going to talk about some fun games that we got to play since the last time we recorded or just in general. And I'll get started with that. Uh, The first game I played has been sitting on my shelf for about three years. It's one of the last games that I've had on my shelf that I haven't played. And that game is Ladies and Gentlemen. This is uh, a party game, sort of, where there's teams. So you have teams of two two people. There's a, ma- a female player and a male player. They don't have to necessarily be female or male, but there's a lady character and a male character. And the men are going to work during the day to earn money. And the women are going shopping during the day to find some dresses and some like jewelry that they want to wear. And then in the evening they pass the cards to the gentlemen and the gentlemen have to approve the purchases. And if they don't have enough money, they say, sorry woman, but I cannot buy this for you. And so on you get in character or they can put it in like a old timey layaway program and slide the lady over some money. And basically it's going to take place over six rounds and you're trying to have the ladies trying to have the most elegance points at the end of the six rounds. And whoever has the most elegance points is the winner. This game is so stupid, but I love it. If I remember right, it's like you play as like basically a stock trader yeah. as the man, right? Yeah, yeah pretty much. It's, yeah, pr- pretty cool game though. And like every time I've played it, which is I think twice, I I played as a lady and and the ladies played as gentlemen. And it sounds super sexist when you're describing it, but it's really, <laughs> it really just does. kind of describing Victorian society kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? Like I don't know. Like and it's tongue in cheek, very much like the art style and everything like that. Like. This isn't a know your place women game or something like that, you know. No, but no, it's just a silly. It's, it's just fun. Yeah, and like after I played it as the the gentleman, I wanted to go play the lady side because I wanted to see how different it was. Because the guys just kind of play like a a real time flipping game, sort of. And it's I didn't seem like it was it wasn't a great game, but the whole the two parts going together was amazing. So yeah, I like this game a lot. Yeah, it's a cool game. Um, it's treachery treading. Dangerously, treading dangerously turns into trageringly, I think, in my mind, uh, into Ameritrash for you, Jason. I mean, seriously, this is like, I don't know, man. There's no workers you place. There's no like pre planning or meaningful choices almost. Yeah. There's just a lot of instincts and fun. So I don't know. It's a cool, it's a cool, it, I'm glad you enjoyed it because it doesn't seem like if you, if I had to guess what you would think about it, I would have guessed eh, maybe. So, but it's cool. Yeah, I mean, I can see what you're saying, but essentially at the end of the day, it's contract fulfillment. So that's how I keep it Euro in my head. I'm flipping tokens and completing contracts. So, <laughs> yeah. And you like to get silly too, some of the games sometimes. Like you yeah. don't mind a little silly yeah. game sometimes. Sometimes it's all right. Um, this, this, uh, my guessing what you think of a game reminds me of my favorite YouTube series, which is called Stuff I Bought at Sheets. I'm going to give them a plug because, man, it's awesome. So go watch that. <laughs> and and Jason, if you watch it, we'll talk about it off air sometime. But all right. All right. <laughs> it's just really funny because the guy, it's a quiz show, a quiz show review show where he has to guess what the other person thinks of like the donut he's eating. It's really <laughs> funny. I don't know. That is pretty funny. 
Well, I okay. So I'm trying to remember. I didn't talk about Gizmos last week. I don't think, but I had it written down to talk about it, and I did an audible and did Downforce instead. I think maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. So this game was in at my local shop, and I had a little acquisition disorder kind of tickling my insides this game's pretty cheap so i mean like i was able to get this fairly cheap and support the local shop um i got this and another one that is amazing that's going to go in the hall of fame at some point dice forge but this is the one i'm talking about this week is gizmos um it's awesome it's basically a, a machine builder uh engine builder um, where you use marbles as your currency of different colors. And then like, basically it's like you're building a Rube Goldberg machine with these cards. And like, you're trying to get like a bunch of different mechanisms to trigger in a chain reaction. So that way you can get like extra free actions basically and cycle these marbles as fast as you can. And it's really a race to get the most cards down, but some cards are worth more points. But generally speaking, if you can get all the cards down first, in your machine, you're probably going to win because you're going really fast, getting a lot of actions done. Just really neat. So, I mean, like it kind of relates to uh, Race for the Galaxy and stuff like that where there's like five phases that you can pick. You can pick, you know, file where you, uh, you take a card and like kind of put it away for later. You can build a card, which is where you pay the cost for it and put it into your machinery. Um, you can draw uh, blindly these marbles out of this bin on the top or you can pick specific colors. And um, each one of them triggers some kind of chain reaction. So like when you pick a marble, sometimes like there's like if you pick a blue marble, you get to blindly draw a marble from the bin or like different like just little things like that happen that you're just building an engine and it's as smooth and cool and light of an engine builder as I've ever played. And it's got pretty cool little art, pretty airy art, um, a really good game. I really, really like it. And I think it would be my go to engine building type game for people um, just barely a gateway plus heaviness, but just a lot of fun for everybody who plays real quick to learn. I think probably an eight or eight or nine year old could learn it, but it would be one of those games that like I've played a lot of games and I think I want to play it more and master it. So, um, just kind of neat where the spectrum of play is for it. Gizmos. Yeah. I kind of want to play that one. I've heard it was a pretty cool engine building game in the vein of like splendor heaviness. So yeah, I want to check it out. Yeah. Splendor heaviness is about right. Um, but it's, you need to learn a few symbols and stuff. And like in Splendor, basically you fulfill things and then you get like a permanent diamond or ruby or whatever in front of you. Right. On this one, um, it's like you get additional. So like, for example, if I took like the file action, well, sometimes I have cards that go in my file column that say like, if you file or build a card from a file, then you get to draw two extra marbles or whatever. And like those marbles pay for everything. They're like energy units or whatever. So it's just really neat how it all goes together. That's cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out sometime. I would suggest it. All right. So an, the next game I played is an old Days of Wonder game that most people don't like, but I'm going to buck the trend, and I like it a lot. And that game is Cargo Noir. So this is a game where you take bidding, and you're going to slow it down a little bit. So you're going to take place over 10 or 11 rounds, depending on the player, and you're going to put your boats out on this map to try to collect tiles. So... At its heart, it's a bidding and set collection game. So you're putting boats with some money out on these certain ports to try to collect these tiles. And then, so that's your turn. You put boats out and then someone else will come around and they can outbid you. If they outbid you, you have to decide to either take your boats back and all your coins or put more coins on top. But the more times you get in a bidding war, the more rounds you're missing out on actually collecting goods. So it's kind of a give and take. Do I want to keep battling or do I want to just move and go somewhere else? Uh, it. I liked it and it played in like 35 minutes with four people. 
it flew by. The artwork's gorgeous. The little chunky boats are cool. And I love set collection. So, yeah, Cargo Noir is a win for me. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. I mean, like, this is one that I haven't picked up. Um, there's basically like three Days of Wonder games that I don't own. At one point, I loved Days of Wonder games so much that I kind of collected them. And um, so every year, I know that they have a big box game that's going to come out, and I get it from my mom for Christmas. Like, it's just kind of a thing that happens. <laughs> and um, so, I mean, it was Yamatai last year, I think, right. and Rails and Sails and Five Tribes, and I'm just trying to remember all the games. And then, of course, there's like a edition of Ticket to Ride that comes out every year, too. But um, I'm not quite up on all the Ticket to Rides. I have like four or five, though. Um, but anyway, uh, to my point... This one and Cleopatra and the Order of Architects or whatever it's called and the original Coliseum, I think are the only Days of Wonder games that are like from their more modern line of that size box games that I don't have. And so this one, I've heard people, I've wanted so bad to like this game because the theme on it is super cool and like the art is super cool and I just love the idea of the game, but I've seen so many people just say, ah, it's not too great. And so hearing hearing you have a contrary opinion, um, I mean, like, you're not a GameStop by any means. So, I mean, like, and I don't think I am really either. But, I mean, at the same time, like, you definitely will say a game's not good if it's not good. So it, if, it, if you're endorsing it, I'm sure that it's at least a complete game and something worth playing. So I may have to check this out and see if there's a copy in the secondary markets worth owning. Oh, Mystery Express. I don't have that one either. Oh, yeah. So yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, this one's still affordable though. So that's why I need to look around for this one probably before it becomes not affordable. And now you giving it an endorsement. I mean, this, this airs on Friday. So I'm guessing that the copies of Cargo Noir are going to be to the moon. So <laughs> I got to go buy one of those before this thing drops publicly. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, granted there are other games that are better than this. I understand that, but for what this game is and what it's trying to do, introductory set collection and bidding, I think it does it excellent. So, yeah, I like it. It's got a really cool look to it, too, like for sure. Yeah, it really does. Cool. Uh, I got a chance to play Paper Tales on Saturday. Um, I got it. I got the hang of the game pretty quickly, quickly. Adverbs are, are important to use correctly. Um, <laughs> I got a hang of it pretty quickly. The people I was playing with didn't. So it's supposed to be a little like lightweight, quick card drafting game where you're basically putting guys out into your village and then using them to build buildings that kind of are like a more permanent thing. But then also you do like warfare every turn. So everyone has like a combat rating as well. So um, your front row of cards is kind of your guys who are doing combat. The back row are kind of like your workers and stuff. And um, basically you just keep using these symbols to try and build up things over time. And uh, it's a drafting game. You pass the cards around the table and you draft cards and it plays really quickly. There's only four rounds of play. You're picking five cards, putting them down in front of you, resolving all the effects, doing the warfare, uh, doing production in an income phase. And I mean, it's it's just real quick, real light kind of filler type game. Um, I would say I'm going to give this one after one play and it was kind of slow. I wish it was like a little faster. So I'm guessing most of the time it will be faster, but it'd be like a two and three quarters wrenches out of five. I would, I'd play it again, but I'm not going to own it. Um, it just felt like there was just, I don't know. It didn't feel like there was anything that was like, oh, this is so polished or this is so new and innovative. So I just uh, kind of have it in that it's okay category, honestly. So that was Paper Tales from Stronghold Games. Uh, fairly new release. I think it was Gen Con. Uh, how does it compare to Seven Wonders? Is it better? Yeah. 
I mean, Seven Wonders was awesome in 2012 because it was like, hey, that game Fairy Tale I've heard so much about, like, here's a chance to to play it in a civilization building but completely abstracted way. Um, this one I think has more to it and the richness of the gameplay, but less to it and how, like, when you play. When you play Seven Wonders, there's just so many symbols you have to keep track of and like understand different victory conditions and combat and all that stuff that it feels muddy sometimes. This one doesn't feel as muddy, but it doesn't have... I don't know. They're different, but this one I would rather play than Seven Wonders for sure. Um, that said, I've played Seven Wonders probably 50 times. This one I've played once. So after 50 plays, who knows? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't really know anything about this game. I just know it's drafting, and drafting is not one of my favorite mechanisms, so I kind of didn't look into it too much. Yeah, I think my drafting game, my number 1A drafting game, and it's still the best one, uh, and it's not even close to me, is Bunny Kingdom. I really like that game. Uh, It does everything drafting in a just real quick and easy way, and it's just fun and fast and just a cool game. Um, And this one definitely doesn't touch Bunny Kingdom for me. Um, but it's not bad. And if somebody owned it, I'm not going to scoff at you. The other thing, the only other thing I would mention about this is that, um, like it's all a stack of cards. Like the whole thing is just a stack of cards. So like, honestly, they could have put this out in like an Uno size box and charged like 17 bucks and it would have been a huge hit, but instead they put it into like a much bigger box and are charging full game price for it. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I just don't feel like you get a lot of game for the money. And so the only reason why I can think they put it in that size of a box is because I, I feel like maybe they're planning on a bunch of expansions and stuff. And it definitely feels like there's room for expansions. In fact, there are a few cards that like the way how things are worded on them or the way how the symbols are played out. It's like, that doesn't make any sense in the game in its current state. So I don't know. This could be one that gets more complete as some expansions come out and stuff. But if you love drafting and you can't get enough of it, I would say go for it. If you're okay with drafting, it's fine. And if you're Jason, don't buy it. So publishers, Jason, there's a lot of them out there and we tend to love certain publishers. Uh, And some people have been discussing this on different boards, interacting with us, saying, who are your favorite publishers? And we're kind of developing a reputation for being the guys who aren't necessarily loyal to a publisher. Jason, you review a ton of tiny label games out there. Um, And I think we're kind of all over the place with what we like and what we don't like sometimes. But I feel like to, you know, get the masses to really feel like, Okay, who are the publishers they really like? We went ahead and addressed it this week. We have our top three publishers. Jason, get us started because people may need a little time to recover from your first pick. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to drop some bombs. So this is number three. So this will be the lowest of the three that I'm going to talk about. And I have some caveats. So after I say the name, I'll go into the caveats. So my publisher number three is Simon. Not cool mini or not. Simon. Yeah, I know. It's shocking. People probably passed out and they're shutting out the podcast right now. But so they're burning their iPod touches. <laughs> Do people still have iPod touches? I have, probably not. I think they're just iPhones now. <laughs> All right. So here's my caveats. I don't like any of the games that have minis. I don't want to play the zombie sides. I don't want to play. Um, see, I can't even tell you what the games with minis are because I just don't care. But the games I do like are Lorenzo. I like um, Queen's Necklace. I like Unfair. I like all the games they're bringing over from other companies that do not have minis in them. So as long as they keep doing that, 
they have a special place in my life and I need them to keep bringing me awesome euros. So my number three is Simon. So Jason, that's awesome because my number three is Simon and it's for <laughs> totally games that you didn't mention at all. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I didn't even know Unfair was theirs and I like that game just fine. Yeah. Um, Simon is awesome. They're putting out some really great games and Gizmos is one that I just mentioned earlier. That's a really solid game. Uh, other ones that I really love from Simon include, uh, I like Blood Rage a lot for sure. Um, I also like Council of Four. That's oh, yeah. one that is theirs now. That one's, uh, their version's dead to me though, but keep going. <laughs> Dogs of War. That's another one that's oh, a Simon yeah. game that I yeah, really yeah, like. Yeah. So there's a lot of them out there that Simon's put out that are just really great games. And then they've got other stuff too, like Massive Darkness that I think is cool. That isn't your jam I get. Um, King Arthur the First is kind of a newer one that I think you're going to see in bargain bins different places because it's not gone over <laughs> real well. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they've got just a lot of cool stuff out there. And they're, they've really done a good job of changing their branding from being a miniatures game. A uh, company that put out, you know, games that basically were excuses to make miniatures like, you know, uh, Rivet Wars and Zombicide and stuff like that into... We actually have really rock solid games that sometimes have no miniatures in them. Um, that Rise of Smog kind of game is that what it's called? Uh, Merla. Yeah, yeah, Her Majesty's Service or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, that looks really cool to me. I haven't had a chance to play it, um, but Simon is definitely a mover and shaker right now, and I really love that company. Which means it's only days until Asmodee buys them. yeah (laughs) give it some time no but i do think they changed their name to simon because they wanted to steer away from just all games with minis i agree so once they started doing that and they started bringing euros over i was in because their euros have awesome production i know i have beef with the council of four but their version of council of four looks amazing yep It, it does have minis in it though but they're just there they could be cubes or whatever but but that's one that I'm really hot on getting. And uh, here's a pro tip for people who like Simon. Every November, December or so, they clean the warehouse out. And so that's how I got Dogs of War for like 11 bucks. And some of these games that Jason and I love and are mentioning right now aren't their bread and butter games. Like those aren't the games that they're known for, but they're awesome games. So check out their sale and find some incredible buys. Um, these are the kinds of pro tips you only get from... From the uh, premium premiere episodes of uh, <laughs> of the board game mechanics, so <laughs> yep. <laughs> Stay tuned. Maybe we'll have more. Uh, all <laughs> Probably <right>. not. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we mentioned this publisher a little bit earlier, and my second, my number two publisher is Days of Wonder. I had to include them on the list because I have a pile of their games: Mister the Abbey, Five Tribes, uh, Yamatai, Cargo Noir, Small World, just so many. I've played, a, you know, I have Ticket to Ride 2. I can't forget that. And they just do great production. The games are usually pretty rock solid. And, yeah, they, what, they're what they good at what they do. So Days of Wonder is my number two. Yeah, I actually, before I looked at the list, you had your games in. I was going to put Days of Wonder on my list, too. I was like, we can't have all the same companies. So <laughs> I changed it up a little bit, but I love Days of Wonder, too. And the thing about Days of Wonder is if you're brand new to board gaming, you don't know this. But if you've been around for a while, you do know this. Their production quality was like a step above everyone else for a long time. And so now when you buy a board game, if it's not at least days of wonder quality components in there, you feel like you got shortchanged. But for a long time, it was like, I mean, go, go play a copy of Puerto Rico. That's what the other games out in the world were like. And like, then look at, you know what days of wonder was doing at the same time. And 
I, here's the other thing too about Days of Wonder. Can you name just a truly bad Days of Wonder game? You can't because there isn't one that's just horrible. I mean, honestly. Right. I mean, people may not like some of them, but they're still not bad. They're good game mechanisms. They're just... Some of them are clearly better than others, though. But yes. I would say Cargo Noir and Mystery Express are the two most panned games. Right. And those games both, I mean, aren't terrible. I mean, you played Cargo Noir and said it's fine. Yeah. Mystery Express is fine. It's not setting the world on fire or anything, but it's perfectly good. Right. Um, Mystery of the Abbey is a game that's really good, and it's so much better than Clue. Oh, and, so much better. And it's it's a really, really great game. But, I mean, it's it's one that nobody talks about anymore, even, and it's just a, a good game. Yeah. So Days of Wonder is an excellent pick, Jason. All right, Jason. Number two. I, I, I kind of feel like when you saw this one on my list, you were like, ah, he got me. He has a good one there. Yeah, that, it is a good one. You're right. Stonemaier Games. Um, they're kind of like the same thing as what you said about Days of Wonder. I think I own all but one, maybe two now, Stonemaier Games. Um, I probably won't own the new, like, Mad Kings game from them either, but... Um, their games are all just really great. And I mean, I know that they have kind of some common thread mechanics when Jamie's involved. Like you can tell it's a Jamie game when, uh, when you buy one, but his, his designs are good. I like his designs a lot. And again, the art and production value on these games are all really excellent. And the pricing is pretty great. And I don't know of any other company that does a better job with expansions than Stonemeyer. Like their games are fine when they first come out, but then these expansions bump into them and it makes them just like, Oh, okay. This game's like five times better now. Um, we saw that with Side to a degree. We definitely saw that with Viticulture. And I'm hoping we see that with Euphoria when the uh, next stack of cards comes out, which I haven't seen anything about. And it was supposed to be out previous to this, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'm sure he'll just drop it sometime. It's, it's probably already being play tested with some weird name like Funky Chicken or Train Kept a Rolling or something like that. That's how he likes to roll with his play test games. Yep. Yeah, you're right. And he's actually kind of cool. He actually, like, I think they get some of the best playtests because he actually pays playtesters. Most of the time, playtesters, like, you get to be a playtester because of bragging rights and the promise of a game someday. Like, he actually pays people and requires, like, really high levels of reporting back to them. So that's why I think the games come out, like, so abruptly and so polished is because these people have to fill a really serious non-disclosure agreement out and are really giving great feedback. So another reason why this company is good. Yeah, that's cool. I would agree. I don't know who, any, how they do that, but they must do something right because all their games are pretty slick. All right. So the next game I'm going to talk about, which I made my number one, I guess my numbers really don't matter, but my number one game that I'm going to talk about is Gray Fox. And the reason I put them on my list because I was looking through all the games that they offer, and I have like all of them but two. So I have Champions of Midgard, Deception, Murder in Hong Kong, Seven Ronin. Um, there's some more I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, I I like Champion or Gray Fox a lot. They make good games. They have great production values. Just they're pretty helpful. Like I had some missing dice, and they sent them to me really quickly. And Champions of Midgard, and yeah, they're a good company, good production, fun games. So Gray Fox is my number one. Another rock solid choice there, Jason, for sure. They've just got so many good games out there. And they're not just um they're not just like, you know, big box or little box or whatever games. They're kinda of all over the place with the stuff. So I'm really liking what they're doing a lot. Um and they're a newer company, it feels like. Um, at least they're newer to me. And they're really constantly putting out strong offerings. Um and the ones you just mentioned are all really great games for sure. 
Yep. I, I don't know if they have anything else coming out, but I'm sure when they do, it'll be awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember. I wish I could remember too. I is, um, man, I, one of my little games is by Gray Fox too, and I don't remember what it is. Harvest Dice, I think. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, I don't know. I was have thinking Harvest one. Dice in the back of my heart, and I didn't want to look <laughs> foolish, but I thought for sure it was them. And that's a great game too. I mean, like, so compare Champions of Midgard, Deception, Murder in Hong Kong, and Harvest Dice. They're kind of all over the place. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's weird. I mean, so yeah. just pretty great, though. All, all solid games. Harvest Dice is, woo, it's going to be close to a top 100 game for me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because it's a rolling right, and you love those so much, Jason. <laughs> I do love those. You're right. <laughs> My number one is sort of a newer company, sort of not a newer company. Um it's Eggert Spiel is really the part of this company that I love because they put out Mombasa and they put out Great Western Trail and they've put out Rococo. On and on and on. Yeah, and uh, Heaven and Ale and just on and on and on. Just awesome games in Europe. Um, and then they get published by either like Stronghold or somebody else. I don't know who here in the United States. Um, and that was before Plan B had a partnership or bought them out, whatever happened there. So now Plan B... Um, next level games, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, all those guys together have made one really great company. And so they have the heavy wing, which has stuff like Great Western Trail, has stuff, you know, like Mombasa. And then they've got the lighter stuff like Azul and Reef and stuff like that, which I think that's technically next level games, those four letter word games, but um, still under the same umbrella, kind of. They're just a really cool company. And I think we've talked about them on this show before that companies like them need to keep emerging to keep Asmodee honest. Um, keep them on their toes. So anyway, uh, Eggert Spiel in particular, but also just kind of the whole umbrella there that is all the, all the partners in that company together. Oh yeah. I like Eggert Spiel a lot. Um, they make some pretty decent medium heavy games. So I, I like them and I'm getting on plan B more if they keep putting out more stuff like Coimbra. So you keep pumping out stuff like Coimbra and you'll have a special place in my heart for sure. And I mean, Eggert Spiel to me, just that's the way the games I love that like heavier mediums or light heavies, you know, like those are just really good games to me. The weight. Yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah. They're, well, they're strategic, but they aren't so cripplingly heavy that you can't get them to the table. So like, I love Feudum, love it a lot, but I, it's a special occasion to get to play it because <laughs> yeah. people just can't play it, you know? It's crippling heavy. Yes. <laughs> right. And I mean, that's just right for some of us, but, um, Great Western Trail, I can teach to most anybody um, who's played some board games. And it's, I mean, people used to call that game heavy. And I don't know, based on some of the other stuff that's come out lately, it's no, not that heavy. That's not heavy at all. It's, <laughs> said Jason. <laughs> I think we need to put a poll up. Is Great Western Trail heavy to you? And see, we need to get a, we get in a feel on the pulse of the riveted. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just uh, heavy such a subjective turn. That some people, that game is really heavy to them. T- to me, it's not heavy. It's heavy medium, maybe. For yeah. you, it's it's gateway family. I get it. <laughs> it's a solid medium, I think, really, yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just cool. And, like, it's unique to just other games that it's got kind of the cool worker placement slash deck building together. I don't know, it's just a fun game. Anyway, Eggerspiel, really a great company. So... We had some crossovers, and I think the companies I picked, you really like too. Um, but anyway, I'm just going to zip through my list of people who I think deserve a mention at least. Um, Yellow has just really good production on everything. They've put out some really just fun games. 
Um, they're not as hot as they were at one time. So when King of Tokyo came out and Biblios was out and just kind of everything they touched was gold um, in that era, they were just amazing. They've kind of grown their brand a little bit and put out some games that aren't as awesome. Um, but like Nyet, awesome game. Just some really great games from them. FFG, Jason won't touch this game with your 10-foot stick. Um, nope. Touch any of their games. But I think that the new Keyforge game looks great. Their L- L- their LCGs are all really great. Um, I like the Cthulhu stuff they do. Uh, Twilight Imperium. Just some really good stuff. Um, okay. Illibed, I don't know how to say it very well, but they're the company with the little like butterfly kind of thing on their box. Yeah. Yeah. That put out Dice Forge, and I've seen their stuff just starting to pop up different places. Mysterium. Is, yeah. Everything they do seems to have really high production quality and be just a really fun game. Red Raven, can't say enough great about these guys. Um, or this guy. <laughs> um, he does thing, and they're all really great games. TMG, one of those smaller companies, kind of a niche company, but they're just silly, fun games usually, but they have Euro mechanisms in them. So like Belfort is an example, or Kings of Air and Steam, um, just kind of games that are heavy Euro games with a silly, fun airiness to them uh aeg's been around for a while putting out some really great stuff pandasaurus is an up-and-comer i think they're going to be one to really watch dinosaur island kind of spring springboarded them to the next level but they've got other stuff um like uh wasteland express um and then even before that they had uh like uh what is it called new something it was a uh oh it was a it was a i don't remember the name of the game but it was a really great game uh, Portal, they've got stuff like 51st State, and they've got stuff like that new detective game. Um, just a bunch of stuff all over the place. And then like companies like Z-Man and Rio Grande, I think we take them for granted, but they put out good games, especially Rio Grande. You don't hear much about them anymore, but they were a pioneering company, and they've still got some really good games they put out. So that's my honorable mention list. All right, I have a few, too, I wanted to talk about. Um, I'll get started with uh, a, a brand new like up-and-coming publisher, and that's Cobblestone Games. They do the X, and they have another game called The Builders of Blankenburg. All their stuff's top-notch, and I can't wait for new stuff from them. Um, the next one I want to talk about is Mayfair slash Lookout. They do a lot of the heavier Mayfair games like Grand Osher Hotel and stuff of that ilk. Um, I also have Japanime because we like a lot of the deck builders that they put out. And Demon Worker. I mean, come on. Demon Worker's amazing. Uh, Renegade. Surprisingly, we didn't talk about Renegade yeah, on our top three. Yeah, they're really great. Week. Yeah, they have tons of games, Ex Libris, um, Altiplano, T-Dragon Society Party thing. Yeah, they got tons of good games. Uh, Queen, they're a little hit and miss on the games, right. but they have so many that they have to be on my list because I, like, I seriously have a whole shelf of Queen, and they have Merlin. Merlin's amazing. And the last one I want to talk about is Space Cowboys. They do Elysium, Splendor, and right. Black Fleet, and Time Stories, which I haven't played, but they have a pretty good pedigree too. So I had to give them a shout out. And are they? They're the Unlock games too, I think, right? Yeah, Unlock. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then as you were talking, I thought of a couple other ones that we need to put on there too. Uh, Renegade got my brain thinking again, real quick. Restoration Games. They're putting oh, out yeah. some really cool stuff. Downforce is awesome. I really want to play Indulgence. I haven't had a chance to play that one yet. Um, and there's no reason it's in print right now. I need to get a copy. Um, and then R&R Games, I think they win the award for like the most like grassroots, homebred, 
small game company that puts out awesome games at amazing, unbelievable prices. Like I can't believe the pricing model they follow for MSRPs. Like just, I don't know, Rajas of the Ganges, that game for it to be what it is MSRP wise. Like I can't believe it. If it were one of the bigger companies, I would imagine it'd be at least 10 or $20 more than it is. And then uh, R&R also put out some like really just crazy games that I love. Like Homestretch is one that I just really like others. Um, Pyramid Poker, that's like such a cheap, awesome little game. So um, there's lots of great companies out there. Yeah, I have one more I wanted to talk about because I have another whole shelf of theirs. And that's What's Your Game. They do like Vasco da Gama, Vinos, Asgard, Signori, Zhangwo, just all the really heavy games that I dig. They're amazing. So, what's your game? Yeah, what happened to what's your game? I I don't see. I mean, like they put out really awesome games for a while. Yeah, they're doing a second edition of Madeira and Zhangwo. So I think they're still around. They're just going slow, I guess. That's fine. Keep doing it. Yep. And so, I guess this is an important list for us to to make and talk about. Even though both of us had some Asmodee properties in our list. Um, a lot of them, actually. I think that the majority were not. Um, and so even though we buy games based on how much we love them and how great they are, um, I also think that it's important that you do support certain certain innovative studios. So if you've noticed someone that's doing innovative, cool things that you like, man, give them support. Buy that expansion or whatever and and maybe buy it you know, at, at a better price where they aren't losing money, you know? I'm all about a bargain, but support for stuff that you love is important too. Awesome. Well, that's about it, man. I don't... Man, I think the zany was a little low on this one, Jason. Yeah, I think it was the long weekend, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh... Yeah. All right. Is it time for special confessions? Can I do that at fifty the fifty minute mark? <laughs> sure, we can do whatever we want. I uh, I resubscribed to World of Warcraft, Jason. Ugh, I know, I know. So check me into rehab, I guess, or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, try to make you go to rehab, but you say no, no, no. <laughs> and then I say the expansion's so good. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, anyway, have a great weekend, everybody. And as Jason's trying to get us to start saying, and I think we do say something, let's keep gaming. Yep. Abrupt ending. (laughs) Our signature abrupt ending. (laughs) Yeah, we're so good at those.